thank you for really just a, a time of communion in your presence, a time of drawing close to you and your Holy Spirit drawing near to us. And Father, we would ask that you would speak to our hearts now as we open the scripture together. We pray that you would give us ears to hear those things that you would long to say to our hearts tonight. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. 1 Samuel, chapter 1. We finished up the uh, book of Ruth last week. And we're moving now into what is known as uh, the history books section of the Bible. 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles wherein we will be getting much of the historic account of the nation of Israel following the period of the judges. And so here tonight, um, starting 1 Samuel, this, these are the, uh, the, Sam, the books of Samuel are really the transition books coming out of that time of the judges uh, into the time where God will be establishing the kingdom of Israel. And... Um, we're going to be studying the, here today the, the birth of Samuel, and Samuel would be really the last of the judges. So the judges are still, it's still the time of the judges. They're still, uh, in fact, it's, it's believed that, that Samson was, was still uh, judging Israel even when Hannah was praying for his son. So it's really the transition, and Samuel will, will turn out to be the last of the judges, but the very first of the prophets. Now, because it is that transition time, we remember the book of Judges, the, the kind of spiritual climate that was going on during that time. It was a time when every man did what was right in his own eyes. A real lack of spiritual leadership. It was a time of spiritual backsliding and apostasy. The Lord was dealing with his people, allowing their enemies to oppress them as a form of discipline. And then, of course, during that time of trial, they would return their hearts to the Lord, cry out to him. He would then raise up a judge to deliver them from their enemies and give them a season of peace and blessing. And this would be a cycle for several hundred years. Well, now we're transitioning out of that, and God is looking to do something of a new work. As I mentioned, Samuel will be the last of the judges, but he'll also be the first of the prophets. And... The Lord is wanting to raise up a man that he can use for these purposes. And he's going to use circumstances in a, in one of these, in a family there in Israel, and specifically a young woman named Hannah. He's going to use her life and use circumstances in her life to set the stage to raise up a Samuel. And, of course, Samuel is going to be used greatly to prepare his nation for a new time and season. God getting ready to establish a kingdom in Israel. God wants to work. God is always looking to work. Uh, even in the time of the judges, when it was a spiritually kind of dark time, God was still at work. God's still looking for a man. God's still looking for hearts that he could work with. And what we'll see here tonight is that even in trial, even in difficult circumstance, God is actually at times using that circumstance to further his plan and purpose in and through his li your, your, our lives and then also in and through his nation, his people. So uh, let's take a look here together and uh, take a look with me in verse 1. The first thing we'll notice, of course, is this young woman, Hannah, and we will be able to see 
that she is a woman in pain. Verse 1, Now there was a certain man of Ramathim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, she's listed first, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. That would have been the other wife, Penina. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord uh, that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Husbands say the dumbest things sometimes, don't they? (laughs) It's just the way we are, ladies. Uh, We're trying to help, but then we open our mouths and uh, trouble starts. Elkanah, a certain man. And again, God looking for a certain man, a certain woman. God wanting to work. God has a plan. And he works his plans through men. He works his plans through the lives of the saints of his people. And it says that he was an Ephraimite, but really he lived in Ephraim. And so in that sense, he was an Ephraimite. He was of that, that area. But uh, in First Chronicles, we won't look there tonight, but it gives a little more, uh, a, a, a bigger lineage of Elkanah. And we find out, it goes farther back in his lineage, and we find out that he was actually a Levite. He was of the priestly tribe. Now, he has two wives. Of course, this was not God's plan. This was not something that God endorsed. It's not endorsed in the Word. But it is something that seems to be allowed and tolerated by the Lord in this particular culture. And it says that Hannah was barren. And most likely, Hannah was uh, Elkanah's wife, number one. And then when it turned out she was unable to have children... In order for Elkanah to continue his lineage and his family, he quite probably took Penina, his second wife, so that he might be able to have a family. We don't know those details, but Hannah is listed first. Clearly, Elkanah loves Hannah. Uh, seems to ha- she seems to be much more dear to his heart. But uh, you, the, this two wives does cause trouble in, uh, in his home, and, and Penina seems to be uh, provoking Hannah. Uh, and kind of rubbing it in to Hannah that she was barren and Penina had both sons and daughters. But other than that, we, we can see that Elkanah seems to be a godly man. He went up yearly to the house of the Lord to present an offering. He would go up and worship the Lord. He went to Shiloh, the place where the tabernacle was located. And he loves Hannah, truly. He does. He tries to comfort her. Uh, but, of course, he doesn't really have the words. What's wrong, honey? You have me. You don't need sons. 
and uh, that's not really what she wanted to hear. She's barren, and she's being provoked by Panina. And it says that she uh, provoked her severely to make her miserable. And I want us just to kind of recognize the kind of pain that this woman is in. Hannah is really hurting. Um, She is a wife that is unable to bear children. Her husband has taken on uh, another wife, and she's very fruitful. Hannah wants to be fruitful, but she's not able to. She's barren. This, this speaks of her pain. Uh, being barren in that particular culture was uh, not just a, a practical matter of a mother longing to have a child, but really it, was, it became something of a stigma in the culture. You were, you were considered to be cursed. You were considered to be uh, you know, uh, looked down upon by the Lord. She has a good desire. She wants a son. She wants to bless her husband with the son. She desires to bear children. I believe it was even a God-given desire, and yet it says that the Lord had closed her womb. Now again, as we think about her pain, I I want you to kind of think about some of the things that pain our own hearts, the thing that we long for, the thing that we're desiring. In Hannah's case, it was a child. But, you know, you can substitute anything that you're, you're desiring the Lord to bring into your life. Maybe you're single and, you, and you, you don't want to be single. You don't want to be alone. You're looking for some, the Lord to bring a, a someone into your life that could become your spouse. Maybe you're struggling financially and you need, you need work. And uh, you're just praying and asking God. And it seems like heaven's closed for business. It says that the Lord closed her womb. That seems almost unfair, you know. And, and that happens, doesn't it, when we're in pain? when we're desiring what we think is right and good, and we're seeking God, and and yet it seems that the Lord Himself is preventing something of an answer to come our way. This is Hannah's situation. And she's, um, you know, all the questions. Why? And the frustration, the confusion, the lack of understanding. These are real issues going on in her heart. And let's be honest, those are the real issues that go on in all of our hearts. We all face seasons where we go through this deep pain and burden and it seems that the Lord is not responding and we cannot understand. We don't know what He's doing. and We, we know that He's love. We know that He's good. We know that He's made promises to us. But we cannot reconcile it with our circumstance. And it creates this terrible burden and pain. To make matters worse, she's got, a, she's got a, another wife in the house that's provoking her severely. That happens too sometimes, doesn't it? Things are going, not going well and you're desiring something and you can't seem to get any traction even with the Lord. And then you've got this, these other voices people that are you know, putting you down, people that are making you feel even worse. As it says, she was miserable. And it says that this went on, not for a few weeks, not for a few months, but she went to the house of the Lord year by year. She's in this condition for years. And Panina is having children, sons and daughters. We don't know how many, but multiples. So the years are going by. Hannah's getting older. Her prayers are becoming almost 
to her maybe less and less meaningful because the answers are just not coming. This is the situation uh, that we find Hannah in. Maybe you can relate to that. And I want you to think about this, that it may be that as deep as that pain is and as, and as uncertain as, as, as it, the situation is, that there is something that God wants to work in your life even in that place. Even in that situation, God is with you and God is for you and He's working something of His, His purpose into your character, into your heart. And this is, he's doing a very deep work in Hannah. Now listen, the deep work comes through deep trial. Uh, a pastor friend of mine used to say, you know, great testimonies come out of great tests. And so God sometimes getting deep into the work of our heart uh, will take us into deep water and take us into a deep trial of, of uncertainty. And it goes on. And it's there. You wonder, is there any end? Will it ever change? What is God doing? Why is He doing this? I don't understand. You know, Hannah looks at Panina, and she's just popping kids out, you know, every nine months. She's, and it's like, you know, you've had, you've had that too, right? You're praying, and, 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 and then you look at somebody else who's not nearly as spiritual as you, and they're blessed. God, they got the best job. The best, you know, everything's falling into line for them. Don't you hate that? <laughs> And so there's a, there's a real, real depth of pain here for this woman. And um, this is the condition that she comes to the Lord this particular year. It's gone on for years. But this year, she really cries out in a, in a way that um, is going to break through. Take a look with me now in verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. They're there making offering to the Lord. Hannah just can't even eat. And Elkanah is trying to encourage her. But she leaves, the eat, she, she leaves the place of eating and she goes in to pray. She goes into the tabernacle. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And listen, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. That would have been part of the Nazarite vow. He will be consecrated unto you. Verse 12, And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. Verse 15, But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. I like that. I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. And then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. 
And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now this is a, this is a very key principle. Uh, she has all the reason to become discouraged in faith. She has all the reason to become bitter and resentful, even toward God, towards her husband, towards her, you know, the other wife. I don't know what the term is when you have a second wife. I was going to say, what is she? Just second, the other wife in the house. She's not a wife-in-law, but she's just this other wife. <laughs> you know, she had all the reason to be, um, to really allow this to poison her spirit. And this is the danger of trial and difficult circumstance. We can, if we're not careful, we can allow it to actually poison our hearts. We become bitter to the point of being resentful toward the Lord. We become bitter towards others. We, 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 we resent others that are doing well. We become jealous and, and angry with those that seem to be doing better. We don't. We, we, we come into this kind of this bitter place, and she did have bitterness of soul, but she turned that bitterness into prayer, and that's the key for Hannah. She takes that anguish and that bitterness of soul, the pain, and she poured it out to the Lord, and she took her pain and turned it over to Him, and that is the key for our own well-being as well. It says that she wept in anguish. She poured out her soul to the Lord. She makes a vow in her praying and in her crying out to God. And we get the impression that this is maybe the first time she has said these words in her time. No doubt she had been praying. They were up at the temple every year, year by year. You know she's praying. You know she's asking. You know she's seeking. And each year she comes back without a child. She knows she's frustrated. But in this particular pouring out of her heart, she makes this vow. And she said, oh, Lord, if you will remember me, I will give this male child to you. And she really commits not only her own heart, but she offers up whatever God might bring to her in answer to prayer. Now, you know, she's not making a deal with God. We've all had those kinds of prayers. Lord, if I win the lottery, I'll use half of it for missions, right? Uh, you know, these crazy things. That's that negotiating sometimes. We think we can trick God into helping us. That's not what this is. This is not Hannah making a deal. This is Hannah going even further in her heart in complete surrender and commitment to the Lord. This is her offering up her very precious desire. Her greatest desire was that she might have a son or her husband to, to be a blessing to her family. And in that, in that, in even that, even that which she desires most, she surrenders it back to Him. Lord, if You will but provide this, He will be Yours. And I will dedicate Him and commit Him to You for the, for, for the entirety of His life. A complete and total surrender. Now, of course, Eli, he thinks she's drunk. He sees her over there kind of talking to herself and doesn't hear her prayer. She shares her heart. And Eli is moved. Now, Eli, as we'll find out later, and his two sons, these are not, he's, he's not a real uh, 
great priest. But he has a moment here uh, that, that I think the Holy Spirit uses him and he speaks and he answers her, Go in peace and the God of Israel grant you your petition. It turns out to be prophetic, but at the moment I, I think he was just saying, I hope that God blesses you. I agree with you in prayer. I stand with you in prayer. I, I join my faith with yours, Hannah. May the Lord grant you this request. And it says that she, uh, she came out, she ate, and she was no longer sad. It's as though she'd prayed it through. Now, she didn't have the child yet. And she had no real assurance that there would be any child this year. But something was released in her heart. And that is, I think, part of prayer is that as you pour out your soul to the Lord, there is a certain relieving. There is a certain releasing it to the Lord. Peter said, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. There is really just a healthy thing that happens in our, in our hearts just if we will pray in sincerity and give it over to the Lord. You don't necessarily have the answer right away. The circumstances haven't changed instantly. But there is this comfort that comes to the heart, and I believe it comes by the Holy Spirit, knowing that you have entrusted it into the hands of the one who can be trusted, the one who loves you, the one who has asked you to make request to him. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto him. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And I think that's what Hannah is enjoying. She's enjoying a certain peace of God that has now settled her heart and mind. A peace that passes understanding. The answer had not arrived. She had no different circumstance to, to, to be encouraged in, but, but a touch of God in her heart. And this, too, is a work of God's Spirit in the life of His believers. God is wanting you to come to that place, listen, where He is enough. It's not about what, he, what He's doing or not doing or what you want Him to do and what you wish He'd do, but, but to know that he, he, you, you are His and He is yours. And that that, knowing that you have touched His heart and He has touched yours, that brings you to a place of peace and a, a sense of assurance that, you know, God, I don't understand, but I know that you love me, and I know that you know best. And I'm just going to resolve my heart to trust you and to walk in that confidence. And I believe that God will take every serious believer to that place. I think that he will take each life to that place. It's a, it's, it's a valley. It's a place where it, you know all the other things that distract us are, distract us are removed, and, we, and He brings us to that place of real intimate fellowship with Him. And He wants to meet us there. It's something that happens in your heart when you walk through that kind of an ordeal with the Lord. And it changes you. It changes you spiritually. It changes your faith. It marks you for the Lord. And that I, I thank the Lord that He doesn't keep us there, that we don't live our whole life in that place. But... In the case of Hannah, it was years. And in many cases, it is years. It is a long time that you're waiting and hoping and praying. But God will take you to that place where He can do that work in your life. Again, God is wanting to work in the nation. 
And he's chosen this young woman to do this deep work in her heart. Because as she surrenders this young future son to the Lord, it's as if that's where the Lord wanted her. Sure, he could have blessed her with children, just as Penina was blessed. We don't know of any, we don't know of any spiritual accomplishments of the sons of Penina. The Bible speaks nothing of their lives spiritually. But God did something in the fire of this woman's heart that prepared her to, to bring forth Samuel. And Samuel would become one of the greatest prophets in Israel. And God did this work in his mother's heart first to be completely surrendered because it would, it would then impact how this young Samuel would come up. Her heart would be so committed. She will know when this is, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but she's going to know that this is the Lord. And it's going to change the way this young Samuel is to be raised. And uh, it's going to make all the difference not only in her heart, not only in her son's life, but it's going to change the course of a nation. And that's what God was up to. She didn't understand that. She's crying out. She's you know, in anguish. But God was busy changing the course of a nation. You don't know what God is up to in your trial. You don't know what God has in mind for your family. You know, I remember, and forgive me, I'm just going to ramble here a little. Um, I remember when my wife, I've shared this testimony, I won't go into the great detail, but there was, there was a time, uh, two or three years, where my wife was a great, great, uh, she was going through a, a great physical trial. Uh, had a disease that uh, made her really put her made her bedridden. She was unable to uh, function in any kind of normal way. This was many years ago. Our kids were kind of young in the home. We had to get help in the home. It was a it was a dark time, a dark season. And my goodness, we none of us could figure out why or what, what what's this about. And, and we we just had to walk through it. And by the grace of God, the Lord brought us through. And we did see her health come miraculously back. And uh, she's healthy today. And, and as you know, and very vibrant. <laughs> very vibrant. <laughs> but I have often reflected on that time. And I, I truly believe this, that it changed us. It changed our whole family. affected our marriage. God was able to do deep, deep work in our marriage. It affected each of our four children. I don't know all that God did, but I know He did a lot. And I know that it altered the course of our future. And I'm thankful. I, I would never want to return to that place. And I've had other trials, and this is not the only trial, but that was a deep one. And I know for certain that God used it in ways that I will maybe never understand until I see him face to face. But I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that he used it to forge things in my life, in my marriage, in her life, in our children, in our ministry that would have never been accomplished had he not 
had access to us in that season. And this is what's going on in Hannah's life. It may be what's going on in your life. We've got to, we've got to trust him. We've got to know that he is working all things together for good. And we've got to walk by faith. And we've got to trust God's hand and let him do what he needs to do. Verse 19. Hannah pours her heart out. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, which means heard of God. His name means answered prayer, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. And so Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bowls, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. Samuel asked of the Lord. That's what his name means. Imagine having a name that basically means answer prayer. I asked of the Lord. We were heard of the Lord. That's your name. Heard of the Lord. She weaned him. Now that would be typically in, uh, for a Jewish mother, three, four years old. He's just a young, young child that she brings to the temple. And she presents him to the Lord just as she has promised. I have lent him. That means I have given him over to the Lord. You know, we, we, we dedicate children as a kind of a, a symbol of parents saying, this child belongs to you. This is where we, we draw our biblical encouragement to do this as parents. We see how Hannah dedicated her son to the Lord, lent him to the Lord, giving him completely back to God. He came from God. He was an answered prayer for, uh, from God. We now return him to the Lord for his purpose, his calling, his will. And this really is uh, the stewardship of parents, that we would raise our children to know the Lord, that we would raise our children in an effort to give them back to the Lord. That they would have, the Lord would have opportunity to accomplish His purpose, to fulfill His promise in each of our children. They need to be loved. They need to be trained. They need to be corrected. They need to be raised 
in the admonition of the Lord. And, you know, Hannah only had a few years with this young Samuel, but it affected him. And Elkanah says, make sure that the Lord is able to fulfill his word. These were parents that knew this was a gift of God, and they raised him. Now Hannah would go back each year and visit, as we'll see in our future text, and she brings gifts to him. So she stays in close contact with him and and is able to have influence on him as he grows up there in the temple. And uh, interesting, as we'll find out later, she would go on to have three more sons and two daughters. She would be very fruitful from this point on. God opened her womb and kept it open. And uh, really, what a beautiful, beautiful testimony of God accomplishing this in her life. I'd like to finish tonight with chapter 2, just the first 11 verses, because it records her praise. She's there, she's dedicating him to the Lord, and now she just offers up this praise, and it's almost like a word of prophecy that flows out of her. Chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boy, we hear her heart now. You know, she's rejoicing. She says, I smile at my enemies. I wonder who that was. Panina, where are you, honey? (laughs) That changed the dynamic of that house big time, right? There's none like you, Lord. There's no rock like you. There's no refuge like you. There's no, there's no foundation like you, Lord. As you, as you read her praise, you, you can see the depth of spiritual character that has been forged in her. And that would have not happened to that degree had she just, you know, had us like Penina, just, you know, been very fruitful and had children. She would have missed You can see it flowing out of her now. She would have missed this deep work that God did in her heart. And that work that he did in her heart would become instrumental in the heart of Samuel. And this is what God was up to. God was looking to get a heart that would be completely his, completely trusting him to help raise up a young Samuel that he would be able to use mightily for his kingdom and for his purposes. She's rejoicing. No one is like you, Lord. And uh, she goes on, verse 3, Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. She points out the contrast, no doubt thinking of her own journey. I was poor. I was destitute. I was barren. But God has completely turned that around. She recognizes that the destiny of our life, the circumstance of our life, they're in the hands of the Lord. And there are seasons when the Lord will humble and there are seasons when the Lord will exalt. And she says, you know, don't, don't let the proud lips talk. Don't act as though we have control of these things. God is the one 
that is overseeing our destiny. He, it is His providential care and hand that is watching over the life of His people. Talk no more proudly, He says. She has learned that it is the Lord who has controlled her destiny, not the strength or boast of men. Finish up with me here. Verse, where am I at? Verse 8. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts up the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and He has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of His saints but the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven He will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. Again, just this deep spiritual wisdom and understanding that is flowing from her heart and even prophetically. She speaks of the Lord. I like that phrase. The pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And He has set the earth upon it. He is in control. He will guard the feet of His saints. He is committed to His people. He will give, she says, He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. Remember, at this time, there was no king in Israel. It's as though the Lord has already given some, some kind of vision, maybe, into her heart for Samuel. Samuel is the one that would anoint the first two kings of Israel. Saul and then, of course, King David. It would be her son that would begin the kingdom and be instrumental. And she's now prophesying of what the Lord is bringing. The Lord has revealed something to her and she speaks it forth. And God has worked something beautiful into her life. A gift of praise and worship. A gift of prophecy. A prophetic voice. And no doubt a ministry of preparing and dedicating and training her son. I mean, she is, think about how much more serious she is going to be in, you know, dealing with Samuel, preparing Samuel, speaking to Samuel. Think of the testimony, his very name, heard of God. That's your name. We gave you that name because you're a miracle boy, son. God brought you for special purpose, special... Re and he grew up understanding that he was set apart for the use of God. Now all children are set apart for the use of God. But God did a work in this woman's heart so that she, she would communicate that profoundly into Samuel's life. And it would make all the difference. Verse 11, and we'll finish tonight. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. They come, they dedicate the boy to the Lord, they give testimony to Eli, Hannah prays and prophesies over uh, at this time, and then Samuel, as a young boy, would stay on and begin ministering to the Lord. Hannah, as I said, she would go on to have more children, and she would come back often to come and visit and encourage her son. Some things the Lord works, He works through the fire of trial and ordeal. And I, I, I can say this too, when the Lord is, is putting a desire in your heart and He begins to birth a burden, I'll call it a burden because it just becomes something that, that, that really grips your heart. And I think that's what Hannah had. 
something of a burden from the Lord. I, I, oft, I think he's often trying to birth prayer in our lives. And that as we pray, uh, he begins to minister things into your life in prayer. As you, as she did, pour out your soul to the Lord. God is working in your life. And I'll say this, when God finally does bring that answer to prayer, oh, how sweet. Oh, how precious it is. Much more so than it might have been had, you know, it just come by natural means. You know, uh, there came a season in my own life, and I'll just close with this and we'll pray, where I really was desiring the Lord to use my life in ministry. I was working in uh, a family business, uh, doing well. But God began to stir my heart in ministry and a desire to be more available for ministry, a desire to be more useful to the Lord in ministry. And I have to say that it became something of a burden. It became something that as I prayed over it and kind of gave place to it and allowed the Lord to speak to my heart and breathe it into, you know, kind of stoke the fire a little bit, it it became this passion. And I can remember this really feelings of frustration. Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I got, you know, I, I'm in, involved in work and things that are not necessarily ministry related. Now, God was using all of that. And that, you know, there was a season then when that's what I was supposed to be doing, but God was transitioning me and he was, he started working on me in the inside. And I can remember I, I when I read this Preparing, I read Hannah just kind of in bitterness of soul, pouring her heart out to the Lord. I can remember those moments where I would just be on my face in tears saying, God, you've got to use my life. I want you to be more useful in ministry. Please open a door. Please make a way. I, I can't see how anything could happen, how it could ever come to pass. But just this yearning and this longing. And it went on for many years. And... Uh, But then when God finally did begin to open doors for me to step into ministry, and then just recently, uh, just just in the last three years, the Lord opening a door for me to step into full-time ministry. I'm telling you, it is so precious to me. It is so sweet to me. Having longed for it and prayed for it and had to kind of birth it, if you will, through prayer and and years of, of waiting, when God finally brings it to pass, you know, it, it changes you. It, it, you have a different approach. I have a different approach to ministry. Now I've got a lot to learn. And I, you know, I'm not trying to say that I value ministry more than anybody else. But I'm telling you, I value it. It means a lot to me because I know what the Lord had to do in me and how he navigated my life to be to this place that I'm so blessed and so thankful. And um, I want to encourage you with that. You know, there may be things in your own heart tonight that you're waiting on, whether it's ministry, as I said, whether it's relationship, whether it's career-related, whether it's just your own personal walk with God and desiring a greater walk and, 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 uh, you know, relationship with Him. Uh, and you can't understand why things aren't happening and it's not going faster and things aren't changing. In fact, they're getting worse and I've got a panina in my ear, you know, uh, just, 
you know, mocking me and all the things that come against you and resist you. I want to encourage you tonight. Pour out your soul to the Lord. You keep don't don't become bitter. You put turn that bitterness into prayer. And you you seek the Lord, you wait on the Lord, you trust the Lord, and uh, wait and see what God will do. But and know that what what you're in right now is God working, God preparing, God getting ready for what He wants to do. And that's ultimately what we want. We want our will to be aligned with His. And that's really that's the sweet spot, isn't it? When we're what we want is what He wants. And then that, that's when He really has freedom to move in uh, profound ways through our lives. So I encourage you tonight. Beautiful story of Hannah and her prayer life and how God used it to birth a Samuel. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we thank you tonight for this uh, just profound story of life and pain and, and sorrow and struggle and yet answered prayer and spiritual purpose and depth of character and spiritual fruit, Lord. I, God, it's just, this story is just packed with good truth for our own application. And I pray tonight, Lord, that we will all find our application. Holy Spirit, that you would apply it into each circumstance here tonight. And that you would encourage the hearts because, Lord, you're watching over the feet of your saints. You are working. You, you own the pillars of the earth. And so, God, we trust you. We love you. And uh, we pray that you would give us the grace to walk with you whatever you may have us in and whatever you may have us headed towards. We want to trust you. As our heads are bowed here tonight and finishing up in prayer, I, I do want to give an opportunity. If you're here tonight and, and you, you need to receive the Lord into your life, you know, you may be here tonight and you do not have a relationship with God. You've never really come to faith in Jesus, never received His work at the cross as payment for your sins. You may be here tonight and you just need to be forgiven. That may be the, the great longing and burden of your own heart tonight. You just need to be cleansed of your sin. You just need God to say, Lord, you just need to say, Lord, forgive me. And that may be what's, what's burdening in your heart tonight. And I, I want to pray for you. I want you to, to receive Christ in this moment, in this instant. The longing of your heart, maybe for years. You've been carrying the weight, the shame, the guilt, the frustration of your life without God. And tonight's your night. And God can birth something of new life in you in this very moment as we pray. Christ will forgive. God will cleanse. God will welcome you and adopt you into His family in this instant. I'd love to pray for you if that's your heart tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you have succumbed to the trials and challenges of life and they've, they've caused you to lose hope, caused you to lose faith. Maybe there's even a certain resentment, a bitterness, a frustration, and even, even toward the Lord. 
God is speaking to you tonight and saying, you know, set that down and pour out your soul to me. Come back to me. Come back to the answer. Come back to the place where I can work these things for good. Maybe you need that tonight. You need to rededicate, recommit your life to Him. I'd love to pray for you too. So our heads are bowed. It's just between you and the Lord, but I, I want to give you a chance to respond and pray. If you're here tonight, you want to receive the Lord Jesus, maybe for the first time, or you want to rededicate, recommit your heart and life to Him now, would you please just raise your hand, let me see you, and I'll pray for you. God bless you. Pray back there as well. Over here in the front. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Far side here. My, my left, your right. Amen. He loves you. Let Him meet you. If He's speaking to your heart tonight, let me pray for you. Anyone else? Just before I pray. God bless you. Just before I pray, anyone else? So, Lord, for these that have responded to your word tonight, Lord, I pray that you would meet them in such a, such a tangible way within their heart. Lord, it's, it's amazing. We see Hannah in this anguish. And then after the peace of God touches her, she's up, she's fine. And so, Lord, for these hearts that are here tonight, that you would meet them in that profound way, that they would come and they would simply surrender to you and say, God, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. If you'll cleanse me, if you'll love me, if you'll take me, if you'll have me, Lord, then I will be yours. And I believe that you love me and I believe that you sent Jesus to the cross to die on my behalf and I receive it tonight, not because I'm worthy of it, but because you are so gracious you are so faithful. I receive it tonight and I ask that you would change me from within and begin to do a new work of faith, spiritual life that comes from you, that I might begin to walk with you in newness of life. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.